Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm a bound to pick with you, actually, Danny. With me? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Let's hear. We've, we've known each other for about a year and a half now. I always thought you were a pretty cool guy, but I learned a pretty distressing fact about you the other day. I hope this is Do you not, know what I'm going to say? I hope it's not going to be Drake-related. No, let's it's hear. nothing to do with that. <laughs> Apparently, you're a secret Manchester United fan. Is that true? Secret? Uh, can I, am I allowed to plead the Fifth Amendment <laughs> on this podcast? Uh, yeah, my uncle's a season ticket holder. Wow, I never knew that. You, did, you kept it very quiet, which is kind of understandable in the current La- climate. Last, I guess, last few years, right? <laughs> <laughs> wow, disappointed. Did you guys know this about him? Uh, no, but I'm very disappointed. Yeah, so you should be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome to this week's episode of the One Football Podcast. I'm Dan Burke. Joining me today is Danny Isroff. Good. Manchester United fan, Danny Good Isroff. afternoon. Welcome back to Andrea Agostinelli. Ciao. And Helga Waltman's here. Hi. Only because he wanted to try the hamburger schnitzel at the cafe around the corner. And they, they don't have it. And they're not even doing it today, no. yeah? Yeah, terrible. If you've tried hamburger schnitzel, if you have any idea what it is, we'd love to know. Uh, and you can let us know by emailing us on podcast at onefootball.com. Now, as loath as I am to sort of even acknowledge these awards, I suppose we've got to talk about the FIFA, the best award, which was won by Luka Modric uh, on Monday. Do we think he deserved to win, Helga? I think so, yeah. Like, <clears throat> I, I really liked how he played, and I think a lot of midfielders don't win it, even though they deserve it, because they don't score as many goals as, as strikers do. But to me, that doesn't mean that they're any less important to the game or any any less good than the, the strikers. Andrea, you wouldn't have given it to Mo Salah? Or no, Ronaldo? I would have gone with Modric, honestly. Yeah, he played great. He drove uh, Croatia to the final, to the World Cup. So maybe if we can picture the discussion maybe Griezmann would be the second or the first like someone from from French and not uh, Salah or someone else mm. any argument from you Danny yes I have a philosophical problem with the way that these awards are handed out uh, I, I just don't I don't really understand because for me you're not rewarding the best individual player the best individual player in the world this year and every year for the past few years except maybe one or two is Messi mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and I, I, I think they give too much weight in these awards to accomplishments of the team or or other factors like performance relative to expectations. Uh, And the truth is, Messi had a historic season last year. He's had a historic season basically every season. Yeah, but if you think about like, I mean, this is rewarded by the players, the journalists and the coaches. So I think Modric played wonderfully during the World Cup. No, no, absolutely. But if, if what the award is really... Four in terms of the rules, and I did look it up on the FIFA website, okay. is the best on-field performance over okay. the course of the year. And the actual best on-field performer, uh, there's a part for off-field as well, but I don't think anyone cares about that. <laughs> the, the actual best on-field yeah. performer was, was Messi, and it, it, it almost always is. Um, I, I think if they want to give an award for basically the person who won the best <laughs> trophies or made it the furthest in big tournaments and yeah. played really well while doing it, they should call it something more like that. But also, weirdly, Ribéry didn't win it when Bayern won, won the treble. And then it was about, like, oh no, but it's yeah. about, look at how many goals they scored. And it's mm. like, it's kind of weird. Like, it was basically Messi and Ronaldo for Yeah, but for it is called the best, not the dude who like, so, so you you know, made but, it really far and won trophies. You, know, <laughs> you just said it's basically they, like, the, the player who gets the farthest in the, in the, in the competitions wins well, it but no, then like, the idea I, I was think, an exception for example yeah, sure, was just a, sure, just sure. so you think Modric deserved more the Ballon d'Or than this this award 
I didn't look up the rules for the Ballon d'Or, to be honest. <laughs> but, but maybe, yeah. Yeah, okay. that's another another discussion for later online. Didier Deschamps won the coach of the year. I mean, he won the World Cup. Do you think that's enough to be considered coach of the year? Did he Was he a better coach last year than, say, Pep Guardiola? Yeah, you're going to hear the same argument from me, which is, <laughs> which is no. But, but I think... Uh, there, there was something really admirable about the way he he, he carried the France yeah. team, not mm. not tactically, but the more more the mentality that he fostered in the group that allowed them to win, and and certain other managers might not have been been capable of that. Somehow, yeah. I think that the more we're talking, the more I think that there's sort of some kind of uh, unofficial rules between players and coaches. So you have to award who won uh, the the biggest tournament in, in the year. So that's why probably the Champs got the <laughs> got the war. Yeah, I think I might agree. Guardiola was kind of probably best coach, but still the Champions League is a big uh, mm. uh, quote, like big problem. So yeah, I think the Champ probably was the easiest choice. Yeah. I was personally outraged by the FIFA World Eleven. It contained no Manchester City players at all. But it did contain Danny Alves, who played 23 of 38 league games last year, was only involved in the Champions League until the last 16 and didn't play in the World Cup at all. What's that about? Isn't it, isn't it voted by the fans? No. I think uh, it's voted by the players. No, I think that one is still players and coaches. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's a bit the case where you get the get, you know captain of St. Kitts and Nevis looking at, yeah. oh, which right back do I know in the world? Danny Alves, great, <laughs> I'll put him on my sheet, so. Apparently two people yeah. voted for Harry Kane as the world's best player last year. It's probably the captain of St. Kitts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Might be the England coach. <laughs> of course, the biggest cocker shit was probably Mohamed Salah winning the Puskas Award, right? I mean, That's Gareth weird. Bale should have won that, surely, for his goal in the Champions League final. I, I would have gone with Ronaldo, not Bale. But the, really? This, yeah. one, this one was voted by the fans, Yeah, the, the best goal. Yeah. yeah, so easy explanation. Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> and Egypt. Anyway, moving on from all that nonsense, um, you must be particularly distressed today, Danny, after Manchester United were dumped out of the Carabao Cup at the hands of Derby County last night yeah, on Tuesday. A, it's been a rough morning, also because you outed me <laughs> <laughs> as, a, as a fan. But uh, yeah, it's it's almost it's a combination of like tragedy and farce, really. Mm. That was I was watching yesterday. And that's just I Phil think. Jones. Even yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> did you see that 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 still shot of him going into the advertising board yeah. with his legs no. above his, <laughs> his his head on the ground like a I don't know a, what's that animal ostrich that yeah. Is, yeah a vintage Phil Jones facial uh, expression amazing no I think the whole the the whole thing's alternately kind of funny and just really sad and mm. toxic but United can concentrate on the league now yes absolutely <laughs> do you think I mean they are now after the draw with Wolves at the weekend they're 8 points behind Liverpool 16 goals worse off than Man City have they got any chance of getting into the title race were they even in the title race to begin with uh, I think no so for first questions first uh, I think absolutely no t- chance of the title City are comfortably a better team with comfortably a better manager uh, I think they're going to run away with it I think Liverpool are also a better team with a, with a better manager uh, and that usually over the course of a season means they'll finish above, above Man United as well. I, I think at the beginning of the season, you you, the thing is, Manchester United. They and I've said it before on the podcast. They they have good proven uh, individual players. That I think there's no question about that. And they also have a, a a historically proven manager. And normally those two ingredients are good enough to get you into into the title race. Uh, I think City are, are are just far and away better than everyone else, so I expect they'll run away with it. But it, it was reasonable at the beginning of the season to say Man United have some sort of a chance. Mm. Well, one of those good individual players is Paul Pogba, who didn't play against Derby. 
um, after what seemed to have sort of, you know, the situation seems to have calmed down between him and Mourinho. There's now talk that he's been told that he'll never captain the club again and he wants to leave and all this. Do you think there's anything in that? And and who do you think, you know, if, if push came to shove, who do United need to get rid of the most, Mourinho or Pogba? So I, I think it has absolutely reached a, a boiling point. I think Mourinho said in the press conference after the game yesterday, mm-hmm. he, he confirmed that he did actually strip him of the, the vice-captaincy. Which means that he won't he won't captain the team if uh, if Valencia is there. Um, I, I think it's irreconcilable really between the two of them. I think you have very opposing personalities. Uh, you heard Pogba saying a few weeks ago if he saying that if he were to really speak his mind he'd be fined. So he can't do it. Mm. That's never a good sign. Uh, the stuff coming out of Mourinho's mouth is never a good sign. Uh, so I think one of them has to go. The, the, the obvious answer and, and what will make the difference at the end of the day is that the commercial value of Paul Pogba is far greater than the commercial value of Jose Mourinho taking aside the, mm-hmm. the footballing aspect because it seems like a lot of the big decisions at Man United are made mostly on that commercial basis. Uh, so if I were a betting man, I would say Mourinho's going sometime soonish and, and Pogba will be the one to stick around. Yeah, I, I remember the at the beginning of the season there was some talks about... Uh, him try Mourinho tried to force uh, his way out of the club. Might be this the situation, like fighting with Pogba. Uh, I don't I, know. I think I think it's it's either that or this is his way of of getting rid of Pogba. Okay. Uh, but but it, I I cannot see how, how they're gonna reconcile their their differences and and move on together. Hmm. I read today that apparently United have more Facebook followers than the NBA, the NHL, and the NFL combined. Wow, look at that. Sh- shows you what a commercial behemoth wow, they yeah. still are. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere, Manchester City won 3-0 away at Oxford on Tuesday night in the uh, the Carabao Cup. Um, Phil Foden was the star of the show. Have you seen much of Foden? Do you, are you impressed? Yeah, by I actually, I saw, I saw him actually playing in America for England under 16s or under 15s. It must have been somewhere in Florida against Brazil under 15s or 16s and it was funny because it was this was I don't know three or four years ago it, it was all these little talented little English kids and all these huge hulking Brazilians <laughs> and the English kids absolutely ran riot they killed them and Foden was he was the mm. best player on the pitch by a mile uh, so sort of been been following him ever since and I think it's it's really a different kind of English player in the way he the way he sees the space the way he touches the ball mm. the, the way he he approaches the game I think it's, uh, it's super exciting. Yeah, I mean, he's nicknamed the Stockport Iniesta. Yeah, Guardiola was asked after the game at Oxford, "What do you think? Is he like Iniesta?" And Guardiola sort of wouldn't really be drawn on it, but he is kind of like Iniesta, isn't he? When, when you watch him play, his vision and his his movement. It's yeah, I think it's Guardiola said. Uh, I think he said Andres is a big word. I think those were, <laughs> yeah. those were his exact words, and, and it is. I mean, it's that's that's miles off, but but the. The potential to be a, a really great player in that similar mold of finding space and finding angles and and touching the ball and creating things is is really there. Mm. I interviewed Foden when he was sixteen. It's probably what spurred him on. I would imagine. Yeah, it yeah. had to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Liverpool. They're off to uh, well, they're hosting Chelsea in the Carabao Cup on Wednesday night uh, before they go and play at Stamford Bridge at the weekend. They've won the first six games of the Premier League season for the first time ever. Is it just me or is that a bit of a weird? Thing that so, has never happened I, to Liverpool before. I, I actually I looked this one up as well. It turns out that in the history of the, the Premier League era, so mm-hmm. ninety two onwards, only uh, five teams have ever done this, and Liverpool actually did it in the nineteen ninety nineteen ninety one season. So just before, 
two years before the start of the Premier League. So it's not like they've never never done it before at all. But interestingly, they, they did not win the league that season. Oh, Ars- wow. Arsenal won the league. Wow. Well, they're looking pretty good, Liverpool. Anyway, do you think they've? Uh, you mean you said earlier that you think City could run away with the title this year, but they're top of the league at the moment. Do you think they're, they're going to be strong contenders? Yeah, I think. I mean, it, I think it's pretty clear at this, even at this early stage, that if if anyone's a contender uh, against City, it's 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 probably Liverpool. Uh, I, I just think over the course of a season, when you look at the the relative depths of the the squads and. Uh, and and what City already have in place that that they come out on top, but um, it's exciting for Liverpool. I think it's another thing which we highlighted sort of at points last season is that uh, Klopp's style is is so furious and so intense that at some points it can tend to fade away, uh, especially in the less important games where it relies on bringing a lot of energy and you're playing I don't know a, a, a three p.m. kickoff at uh, I don't know. Um, West Ham and yeah. just not that into it and, and that can have an effect on the results I think we've seen that Liverpool do quite well against the bigger teams and can struggle a little bit against the smaller <clears throat> teams that, that could happen again but I actually, actually think it's a little bit of a misconception because the style of club is it's yes there's a lot of energy involved but also he with the counter pressing you don't have to run <clears throat> like 50 80 meters back to to fall back and fall back on line you basically make, make a sprint and gain back the ball in in, in the uh, attacking third of four for Liverpool. So there's some somewhat less running involved, and also you you have the ball more. So like the running feels a little bit less hard to to no, the but players. I, I think it's the the intensity in terms of the focus and the the emotion requires. He relies a lot on those two attributes, focus and emotion, which are 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 very easy to bring in big games and less easy to bring. As the season drags on yeah. against against smaller teams, and the statistics bear that out, and they they do a lot better relative to the other top teams against other top teams. Mm-hmm. But I think versus, it, I think it's as well because he, if you are playing a small team with as Klopp, he doesn't really have, or he he never had it back at Dortmund that much. These these solutions for possession game and when the, right. when the opponent is really falling back and just kicking out the ball and doesn't give you opportunity to counter press, he had to develop, and I think he. He managed to evolve there as well, but I think that's as well an aspect why, why he's why he's having trouble against smaller teams because when they have to to create the game, they they have to control the game. Then and his teams have always been a little bit worse off than when they could just react when they can like, against big teams. Well, they've got a big team this weekend. They're away at Chelsea. Maurizio Sarri said Chelsea is still a year off being at Liverpool's level. Do you think he's got a point there? I mean, they've started quite well. Yeah, I think I, I would say uh, at least a year off. I think Chelsea, well, they've made a, a great start, but if you look a bit deeper, I think they've still got some things to work out. Um, I, I'm absolutely not a fan of their back four still. I don't I don't believe in it. I think they have uh, the, the balance in midfield to look at as well. Um, there was a nice article in the, the Guardian about the effect that Jorginho's having on mm-hmm. Conte uh, and, and how he's kind of limiting him. And then they've got the centre-forward situation to work out as well. I think... Uh, Liverpool have arrived at a point where they've solved those problems. They, you know, they've got the, the the big defender and they've got the right balance in midfield. Uh, they've they, they've they've got a striker that they they, they can rely on. And uh, Chelsea still haven't done those things. Mm-hmm. You're back in Liverpool to win at Stamford Bridge, then, in that case. Uh, let's go for a draw. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on the fence, always. <laughs> Moving on to the Bundesliga, um, Helga. There's been a bit of a fan. Unrest in the Bundesliga this week, shall we say? What's what's been going on there? <clears throat> well, it's not just this week, but 
there has been protests again this week. It's basically all related to the splitting up of the the match day, more and more uh, kickoff times. Uh, yesterday, for example, in, was in a way game for for Hertha in Bremen, and they they moved it to six thirty, <clears throat> which means that if if you are a Hertha fan from Berlin, you would have to start traveling at like one thirty, two thirty, because you need like mm-hmm. even yeah like one thirty probably you need like four hours to to get to the from one city to the other to the stadium, and it's really really tough on on away fans, and that has happened quite a quite a lot of times also. They implemented uh, five Monday games last year for the first time. Originally, it was planned for the Europa League teams, but uh, so they could play on Thursday and then play on Monday to, to rest a little bit more in between. But then last year, I think they only had two games which included Europa League teams. The rest was just uh, teams that they were randomly having mm-hmm. to play there, as well related to the, the the German teams dropping out very early out of the Europa League, but still. Uh, and and all of this is kind of kind of making the fans uh, unhappy, and and they're voicing that protest. Also, there is a lot of stuff involved with the fifty plus one rule, which is basically that the the clubs have to have the majority of votes always, even if they sell shares to an investor. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is under attack for a while now, even though there was an assembly like in March, I think, of last year. Or this year? I'm not exactly sure, but a while ago where the clubs actually decided um, that uh, they wanted to keep it, but now they want to restructure the DFL again, mm. the, the German Football League. And there's all like a lot of struggles there, and the fans are really not happy with how they're treated. There was like a uh, sign that was uh, football is for the fans and not for pay TV. Was that Bayern? The one at Bayern? Was the, they had a big banner with a letter? Oh, there the were DFL. banners all over. Yeah. Like, there was basically... well, it's, The critique is as well against the European Championship. That Germany is bidding for for the uh, twenty twenty four uh, cup, where a lot of people think this is they're criti- criticizing it because the World Cup in two thousand six was bought with corruption. Mm-hmm. With I mean, uh, allegedly <laughs> to be to be in the safe side here, but uh, there was a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes mm-hmm. which fans are critical of, and um, they're fearing that this would happen again now with a European championship and basically a lot of money being poured into into all of these things and all of these like the pay TV, the, the European championship, all of that is more important than the interests of the fans that are being neglected for mm-hmm. a while now. Can I interrupt with a quick question? Has this at all affected things like attendance or things like revenue? It's a little bit difficult to say because the clubs only uh, communicate how many tickets they've sold. And that has been basically steady for, for a long while. A big problem is, though, that a lot of the season ticket holders, they buy the ticket, they don't go to the small games. They only go when Bayern and Dortmund and Schalke or whatever. Like the bigger teams, the more, the more interesting teams are coming. And so there was a study out that... Even though like 94% of the tickets are being sold, only 80-something percent of the seats are being filled. And that has been getting worse. Even though there was, it was not clear for if it was for those reasons alone, they also mentioned that a lot of the stars were going to international leagues, that Bayern, of course, has won the league now so many times in a row and it's not as exciting anymore. But I think personally that those things also play an effect. Because that's ultimately how change happens, right? It's like... 
the the league they can just keep going as long as the money keeps flowing in and the the, the stadiums are exactly, still full, yeah. which they tend to be in Germany. Um, and it's only really once that changes that they have to sort of really consider what the what the fans are saying. Well, they had a two minute silence, was it before the uh, game? twenty twenty minutes twenty minute silence? Oh, yeah. I think. You wouldn't know the difference in an English football stadium. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the stadium. Says the Manchester City fan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what we're, we're protesting against modern football. That's <laughs> yeah. what <we> <laughs> Anyway, you've turned up to the studio in your Werder Bremen shirt today, so I suppose we probably have to talk about them, don't we? I'm very, Tell us. I'm very proud of our season yeah. start, yeah. How, how's it been going? How's Davy Clarsen been getting on? Um, so the the start has been actually by the by the the performance a little bit shaky. They they were not they were always having some good phases throughout the game, but then they they lost control. They they were one zero up against Nuremberg. Gave it away and um, and and t- only tied one one and they were really shaky the last half hour um, against Augsburg they were leading two zero then they res- uh, conceded a goal right before before halftime conceded another right at the beginning of the next half and then barely because of a big mistake big blunder by the goalkeeper they barely managed to win it which. The good thing is that if you're not playing exceptionally well, but you still manage to to collect all those points, that's that's a good quality to have, I think. But now, yesterday they they faced off against Hertha, as I said, mm-hmm. and that was the first game where they really looked in control. They had like ten, fifteen minutes where Hertha was pressuring a little bit, but basically the rest of the game was completely theirs. They won it three one. They're now second. Might drop back to third if Dortmund wins today. But otherwise, 11 points out of five games, two points behind Bayern. If that question comes up, they're not contending with the title. <laughs> oh, that's a very nice question. I mean, Bayern are away at Hertha on Friday. They lose that game. Bremen win, top of the league. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it may that even even that it might even happen in a, in a weird world. But no, but. The thing is as well, Bremen had a very easy start to the season. They needed to get those points right now. They're going to play in the last five games of the of the uh, first half of the season. They're going to play, I think, against Bayern, Dortmund, Hoffenheim and Leipzig. So there's a lot of big teams still coming at the end, so they need to get the points right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a nice season for them or for us as fans as well because it's going to be probably challenging for the Europa League, maybe even like being a little close to, to Champions League, kind of like, like Frankfurt had last mm-hmm. year. Where they in the end finished eighth, but if they yeah, it could be something like that, like a little bit of a nice season, challenging for Europe, mm-hmm. and I think that's more than enough for Bremen fans right now after mm-hmm. five years of relegation battles. <laughs> um, Schalke, they were runners up in the Bundesliga last season. They've started mm-hmm. this one terribly, haven't they? I mean, Dominic Tedesco was being talked about as the next hot young coach last season, and. They're currently bottom of the league, having lost all four of their first games. Yeah, all five, I think. All five. Did they play? Yeah. yeah. Did they play already games, this week? Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they lost yesterday well, against Freiburg, yeah. So he's under pressure, Tedesco, right? Yeah, he still has some credit from last season, obviously, because uh, 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 he managed to bring them back to Champions League, second place. Um, also, last year, there were some rumblings because he didn't really have them play nice football, but just basically parking the bus, counter-attacking. Mm-hmm. They won a a lot of games narrowly. Um, and this year, it kind of looks similar, but their defense is shakier because in the first four match days, I think they conceded two goals on average. 
And for them, it's really hard to come back then because a lot of times they even went behind and then they have to to have the possession to create the game. And it's something they really can't do. And the problem is now that they, they started so badly. Also, there was some, some bad luck involved in the first games. But also now that they started so badly, they really need to win games. They can't go with a 0-0, with a tie anymore. So they really need to play to win. And that opens up chances for the opposition team. They they were okay-ish against uh, Freiburg yesterday. had some two shots against the post. And then they conceded the goal after like a mistake. I wouldn't say like it wasn't really like a big blunder, but it was a mistake by the goalkeeper. And these things happen when you are in this negative um, like struggle where you, where you always have everything going against you. And and then, yeah, like it's really tough for them if they go behind with, with those goals or goals like that, mm-hmm. then to come back and, and to, to make it happen. They really didn't even try. Like they couldn't do that much in the last half hour yesterday. So it was not really... Um, yeah, it's really tough for them. I don't know. And I think Tedesco needs to think about how to how to to continue because sitting back with five players, I think it's not really happening. They they and they lack creativity in midfield. So my opinion would be to basically try maybe like a diamond, put Harid in there, give him freedom to to express himself basically, and have him being secured by the the, the, the midfielders behind him, like a good holding midfielder, and then like two. Little bit less creative, but supporting midfielders maybe mm-hmm. that can help him. But yeah, kind of kind of sad to to base all your hopes on a twenty year old midfielder. Yeah. Kind of it's 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 a weird weird situation there. Mm. Andrea, you've been sitting yeah. over there very patiently. <laughs> I asked you earlier in the week to tell me yeah. what Serie A stuff you wanted to talk about, and you said there were three players specifically that you wanted yeah. to talk about. But before we get into that, yeah, we're going to talk about Serie B. Oh, that's a very interesting that. yeah. story, there, isn't it? Oh, wow, yeah. It's a long story, so stop me whenever you are lost somewhere. Because <laughs> it's kind of funny. So, uh, basically, uh, on Friday, we will have the final decision uh, about uh, Serie B and if the league will have 19 teams or 22. 19? Yeah. 19? 19. It's an odd number. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this, is the, this is just the beginning. Uh, so. Basically, last summer, three teams uh, uh, has been excluded from the league for economic reasons. Two, one bankruptcy and one from failed payments. This situation was well known long before. So the league established like the, the rules for other teams to apply for the free vacancy spots. I think seven teams, seven teams claimed for uh, those spots. And three of them uh, appealed against those rules. I'm gonna skip the part about the rules and what it, what it, what's involved because I but can. I don't ex- know. Could just anyone apply? Like if I don't but, know. Yeah, one, because one but, football but, FC wanted to play in. Serie no, basically, <laughs> basically, it's not the the easiest way is the free teams that got relegated relegated can be yeah, uh, yeah, sure. brought back. No, it's not like this. There's there's a, like a ranking yeah. uh, based on uh, economic uh, reasons. Uh, okay, okay, uh, sure. So you have to qualify attendance basically on and like your legal uh, your legal pass because it, it, it counts. Like so, three teams appealed against those rules. And two of them won the appeal, so they changed a little bit the rankings. And basically, on first of August, uh, Catania and Novara. Has been included into the into the league. <laughs> There's one spot missing, and it was due to be given to Siena. If I don't get wrong, right mm-hmm. now, 
Then all of a sudden, ten days later, I actually I miss I miss one step. So uh, <laughs> yeah, the, it's the, a complicated the whole thing. Is so gloriously Italian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So because the, because of the previous appeal, uh, it changed the rankings. The three teams that got basically got uh, they lost the appeal, appealed again against this uh, this decision. So in this total mess, ten days after the the judge said that those teams were going to be brought back into Serie B. The 19 Serie B teams decided they don't want any more any other teams. So they decided, no, this year it will be a 19 teams league. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and nobody would get relegated? We're going to... Okay. Right. <laughs> don't, don't, don't worry, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't I'm, skipping, I'm skipping ahead. I'm don't sorry. Don't end, please. <laughs> so they said, no, we want 19 teams. And they really fight for this. And it's kind of understandable because uh, basically the old system of Serie B is not more sustainable with too many teams. Mm-hmm. So for TV rights, the sharing of TV rights and the sponsor, uh, it's not f- economically, uh, it's not an economic advantage to have more teams. So it was kind of understanding. Uh, in the past, all the president of the federation said, claimed that they want to reduce the number of professional teams. So it was kind of understandable, but it's the way they did it because it was, there was some rules, they deleted the rules and now they said, okay, we want a 19 teams uh, league gonna skip other pests because there are some <laughs> still drama in it so at the end uh, like before the first day the first fixtures of the season um there was the f- what we thought was the final appeal who claimed that uh, none of the team has the right to be brought back into Serie B obviously <laughs> they made the appeal and one <laughs> of them won the appeal so because of that, all the six teams involved, and they they should have played in the Serie C, third division, mm-hmm. they decided to not play in uh, their league because they say, wait, we are going to wait for the final uh, decision. One of them played is Virtus Centella. And uh, Virtus Centella now has the, is the only one that has the right to play in Serie B. Because, yeah, now, now things get a little bit weird <laughs> one of the team w- who went on bankruptcy Cesena uh, <laughs> in the meantime in the I mean so <laughs> no, <laughs> but, so, no let's, get, let's, let's, let's get back to the uh, beginning of the of the story the three teams who failed to script the description was uh, were Cesena Bari and Avellino uh, Cesena and Bari went bankruptcy Cesena was also involved into a um, economic process so for First numbers, I don't know how to, to say it. Uh, and they got a punishment with 15 points of penalization that at the beginning they have to uh, pay into next season. Okay. Then one judge saying, no, they have to pay in the previous season. So with that, now Entella is back in Serie B. But Entella is the only team who already played into Serie A during the Serie C league. <laughs> so now it's a total mess. It's a total mess. And from one side, we had these Serie B teams who are pushing for a 19 teams uh, uh, league. We have the president of the commission of that have to decide about this old mess that wants a 22 teams league, and it's the only one. And right now, probably today, we will have the decision about who is going to decide about the the future of the league. It's a total mess. But, also, a, but also there have been like five match days already yeah that, that, that's <laughs> the point they, they already played Serbia started and we don't know how many relegations they had and how many promotions there are from the third division 
There's a thing, no clue. People in Germany are complaining about a kickoff time being moved a couple of hours. <laughs> These guys don't even know what league they're going to be playing <laughs> in next week. And uh, this, this is the best story about Serie B. So they start the league. On the second day, it was due to play Cosenza Verona. It was like a regular game. But they didn't play because there was no turf on the pitch. <laughs> no. They, they tried to change the turf for 48 hours before the kickoff. But they didn't get the job on time. Oh, so there was just like a um, set sand. Just just mud, yeah. yeah. So they they tried to like fake and say, yeah, let, let's play. But at the end, the referee said... Spray it green? <laughs> no, no. If you use some imagination, there was some turf, some grass. Oh, but at yeah. the end, the referee said, come on, we can't play on <laughs> this turf. So Cosenza lost uh, the, the, the match yeah. by, by judgment. Because they had no grass. What an amazing story. <laughs> and, and that's the, why Italy is the greatest country yeah, in the world. Ch- cherry, cherry, cherry on top. This There's old, more. <laughs> yeah, this whole mess also involved Serie A. Because uh, last last season, the playoff final for the Serie B uh, going to Serie A was Frosinone Palermo. Frosinone won 2-0 and so they got the promotion. But during the game in the last minute, the Frosinone players from the bench throw the balls into the pitch to stop the game. And also the fans did that. <laughs> Palermo, obviously, and after the second goal of Frosinone, there was an invasion. It, it was like 30 seconds before the, the end, but if Palermo would have scored, they would have gone in, uh, into Serie A. But there was an in pitch invasion 30 seconds before the, the end of the game. So basically the, the referee had to stop the game. <laughs> Palermo pilled the, the result. They, at the first degree... They didn't have the right. Uh, they lost, but the uh, after the season started, during the appeal, one judge said, "No, Frosinone should have lost the game by judgment, and Palermo should have been in Serie A." So this is like wow. the old mess is happening uh, right now. Got more threads on a Russian novel that story, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope I got myself clear because uh, I told you that. I can't even explain it in Italian with like proper words <laughs> and losing some parts of it. You, in the you story. lost me about five minutes ago. To be honest, but, <laughs> but the good but thing so, is, the good thing is, we all know now it's very complicated. It's really complicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, if we've learned one thing, it's to, that. in a nutshell, on Friday we will have the uh, the final decision, and hopefully this old mess stops, and then we will have a. Uh, a nice, nice season, we hope. Yeah. <laughs> nice season. Well, someone who is having a nice season is Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, he did. I yeah. mean, if you take out the, the red card in Valencia now, he, yeah. he's doing great, honestly. At the beginning, we had some thoughts about the, he not scoring. He didn't score for the first three games. Then he scored three in two games. So he kind of turned into the the key, the key player everybody thought he was going to be. Only problem is that the Juventus has didn't find the right formula for him. Uh, right now, the best players to play with him, with him are Bernadeschi and Mandzukic, but because they they cover a lot on the defensive side. So uh, f- forget about uh, any spectacular with Juventus. Mm-hmm. You have like a really uh, cynical team who, when they want to win, they win. Like in Valencia, they were one man down and they dominate the game. So they are really, really strong when they want, they have to win. And Right now, the Ronaldo is uh, is effective, is scoring, but is not so involved into the game. At mm-hmm. some point, he receives the ball and creates something. That's uh, that's the point. They have, for my for me, Allegri has to find a way to let Ronaldo and Dybala play together because this is the key. Mm. They are they speak the same language on uh, football right now. Not literally. 
<laughs> on, on a football on a football side please no, but, I'm yeah. quite sure that Ronaldo speaks some yeah, Spanish they, probably Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but right now for example the connection with Bernardeschi works better yeah. uh, so that's why he's playing more than uh, than Dybala and a lot will change when Allegri will find the brief to play with the two midfield mm. because right now he's always playing with the three midfielders uh, and I think the key will be Emre Can or Matuidi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are the only two players that can like uh, build these two midfielders. And when Juventus will be stable with this four-two-three-one system, I think they will be scary. Right now they are winning, but you can you can spot some some weaknesses. But mm-hmm. obviously they are the best team right now and the strongest team in Serie A. Jolly good. It's going to be another Scudetto then we think. Oh, well, I predict Napoli, and I really hope uh, something changes. But honestly, no. Honestly, you, after these first games, you can clearly see uh, a competitor. Mm. So, I mean, Napoli is doing great. They won four out of the first five games, and they were they got the toughest uh, fixtures for about from everybody. But Juventus is probably two, three steps ahead of yeah. everybody. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up there, I'm afraid. But just before we do, just want to yeah. say thank you to Damo because this is our last show with you, Damo, today. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you for everything you've done for the show over the years. It's been a pleasure. And uh, in the words of Phil Jones, the show must go on. Absolutely. <laughs> so we'll be back next week at the same time and we'll see you then. Yeah.